Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we have a very special local guest. This is Rob Carr. He has a birthday coming up September 28th here soon. Uh, something that's awesome and special about Rob is he actually hired Dakota, and then he hired me about a mm -hmm. year later. This was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Rob was uh, the corporate recruiting manager for uh, Glenbrook Dodge and Glenbrook Hyundai. We both got in at Hyundai. And uh, I remember that interview with Rob. I remember him being a cool, kind, genuine guy. Since then, Rob's went on to have many different jobs throughout the dealerships, multiple different dealerships. Uh, he's at Shepherds right now. And uh, he just got into the fixed parts operation manager position. Uh, this is Rob Carr. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so the first question that I want to ask is, uh, what, what did you see in, uh, in us? And then what do you think is different about, like, let's just say salespeople? Well, we'll answer the first question first. So, like, what did you see that was different uh, or what do you look for? Different things like that. Uh, well, when I met you guys, I seen the eye of the tiger. No, I'm kidding. Uh, literally, I, I could see um, you both wanted an opportunity for a change in your life and, and direction of career. And that really means something to me uh, to have an opportunity because you can say that you want something, but deep down inside, you can sense it from a person if they're even just throwing words at you, if they're telling you, I want to change my life. And I felt that from both of you. Mm. So how do you, how do you, uh, how do you find that? Or how do you know? Cause like, again, I've heard a lot of different people to say that too. And then you, you bring them on and they're like, right, yeah, that person was just blowing smoke. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'll do anything. And then you hire them and it's like, no, you weren't. Do you just take a chance on them? Or do you like have a feeling about certain people? Well, I, I think a lot of it is that gut feeling, but the other thing also is will someone do what you ask them to do? Some of the smallest steps become the biggest steps in their careers. And I remember when I first interviewed you, Dakota, I remember how young you were. And I don't know if you remember this conversation. Oh, I remember. And I said, you're going to you're going to look like the youngest salesperson out there. So I do remember telling you, you're going to have to dress the best. And you're also going to have to have the product knowledge better than anyone else. So when that customer asks you a question, you have an answer. Mm -hmm. But always tell the truth. If you don't know, tell them that you'll get the answer for them before they leave. Yep. And, and I feel just those initial steps because like in sales, we always talk about, you know, the first impression, right? You only get one time to make that first impression. So dressing more professional than anyone else, people will, by nature, look at you or greet you mm -hmm. first give you the opportunity yep yeah i remember uh i don't know if you remember this but i also remember my shirt like dude i was just like some poor kid and stuff like just coming with, with whatever i could find from h&m and stuff yeah but i remember my shirt was wrinkly and you're like hey next time you need to iron <laughs> that shirt before an interview <laughs> but you know the the thing is with those enhancements that I try to tell people about, it's not about tearing down. Mm -hmm. It's about creating the best opportunities for that individual to be successful. It's not ever about nitpicking. It's about let's do this so you can be successful. We can all be successful with these small changes if we can identify them and help someone out. Yep. You know, what's funny is like you guys must have had the same uh, script or same thing that you asked the questions. So. I remember like that meeting. It's so funny that I was I was 20 years old at the time, and yeah, it was in 2014, so almost 10 years ago today. It was like uh, in um, I believe it was in November, because it was cold, and I was almost about to work in a trailer factory. I dropped off my wife at the time at uh, um, the mall, and then she messages me. She's like, like two and a half hours later, she's like, "What's going on? Like, are you still in the interview? Because I interviewed with you for about." two hours maybe an hour and a half and we just kept talking yes. then i went to mark mckibben and he asked the same exact question i'm like bro i just answered these because you were like hey you brought me right over did yeah. you did you think there was something different about me compared to other people or did was i just like all right this is another sales guy and you know you got to meet mark no i i truly felt dakota that if you would do the small things even from iron in that shirt that is a step to being coming successful, the smallest thing. 
can be the again the biggest thing so when i looked at you and you said you didn't want to i think you were doing landscaping weren't you yep and you didn't want to do that anymore and i thought here's someone that has the potential to say i don't want this anymore now the success rate for people saying that and doing that is two different things now typically 10 percent of the people will do what you try to lead them towards to say, hey, do this, this, and this, and this is gonna make you successful. There, I do remember another gentleman that I had interviewed at the time, uh, and I told him he had never been in sales to go to the library, because he said he didn't have any money, get a book about sales, read it, and just write me two paragraphs or type out two paragraphs, um, and then bring it back to me and let's have a second interview. And that young man did it. And uh, you know he hired and he was pretty successful. But who was it? I, I I can't remember his name. He wasn't as impactful as you or Tony. So, but uh, I do remember, and and you know this also. After ninety days, typically in automotive field, when someone starts selling, they figured it all out in ninety days. And I remember trying to tell this young man, don't start challenging everything that everybody's trying to feed into you, mm -hmm. because you're going to think that you know the business in 90 days. And of course, nobody wants to do a cardio with you and all these things that you put into your head that's real negative, that does not help with your success. And mm -hmm. that's what happened to that young man. So he started out of the gate awesome. But after about six months, he was gone. Wow. So yeah, it's crazy because I told uh, I told uh, our acquisitions guy something very similar. He's he was 19 years old, and I'm like, you're gonna get to a point where you think even you know more than I do, and he got there very quickly, and uh, he he scaled up very fast. But yeah, it's interesting for me. It did, it took a lot longer. It's more about the two year mark, and uh, about the two year mark, that's when I felt that my ego came up and then I'm like, man, I know more and like, I'm, I'm the top guy. And you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm able to do this stuff. And then that's when, whenever you think that, you know, everything at that moment, that's when you're not able to learn anything. That's right. the interesting part about it. And yeah, like, uh, we've seen a lot of different people get there. I, th I feel like 90 days is real fast to get there. Yeah. But what, what did, uh, what about Tony? Did you think that Tony was similar to me or did you like see something totally different or what were you thinking with Tony's interview? Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, We'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below, buy the course. Um, I, with Tony, I, I really felt he had a lot of empathy in his heart and I felt like he could make that connection with some customers once he would have some of that one-on-one -on -one time with them to try to build value with them about what they're looking for. Mm. And um, I think he was a little bit more reserved than you were, but I still seen the potential in it. And then plus the story of you guys boxing and stuff, that was always encouraging. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, Tony's a good storyteller. And, and you know what's funny is they usually say that facts tell and stories sell, but sometimes Tony's <laughs> stories don't have a point to them. <laughs> I built so much rapport, I just couldn't ask for the clothes ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was, I don't, did Tony ever tell you about, did you know how Tony's sales career went? Not really, obviously not super well. I didn't see him on the board as much as you, you know, but yeah. I know, uh, I don't think when he came in, he didn't have a wrinkled shirt. I do remember that, so. Uh, yeah, well, Tony grew up a lot richer than me. That's why. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't used to, uh, I just didn't feel good about selling cars. Like, I would look at the numbers and I'd be like, oh, man, I can't believe these people are going to spend, like, $350 a month yes. that is crazy like yeah. I'm hurting them by selling them this car kind of thing and just it because I wasn't congruent on it and I I hadn't learned like how to be bold or like how to close or like how to how to ask the right questions to lead to the sale and so knowing what I know now if I went back I'd do better than I did then yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely I don't know if I'd be a might be a 10 car guy or something like that as uh, far as my sales skills but no it it uh i i do remember and and like so many times when people get in automotive sales 
it's one of two type of mentalities. One is just get in front of people all the time and other ones that want to become, they're so indulgent into the information about the cars mm. that they forget about getting in mm. front of people also. You know, people are always going to come in the dealership and buy cars. They're looking for a great salesperson. And I'm sure you guys know that. But um, throughout those years when I was doing recruiting, I see that um, happening a lot for people. Some people, oh, i got to study before I can go talk to someone. That's not always what it's about because people do appreciate when you're honest with them right. and say, hey, I, I don't have that answer, but I'm going to get it for you before you leave. 100%. I see a lot of people that say stuff like that. Like, I know so much about cars, I'd be a great salesperson. You know, I'm like, you know, the funniest part is the worst salespeople are the people who know so much that they just want to share the knowledge. Yeah. I'm like, dude, whenever you know, and you can get to that point in, and I told our acquisitions guy the same thing, you're going to get to a point where like, you know, so much, you're actually a worse salesperson yeah. because you want to share the information because now it makes you feel like you're smart and like you're like, it's again, it's your ego. You want to prove what you know, yeah. and you don't want to prove what you know you want to not say anything and be a hundred percent with that person and find out what they want to accomplish and only give them a fraction a tiny bit of what you know in order to help them get what they want that's what i believe like is what's really good um well my misperception was just that i was delivering value because when you know you're sharing what you know and the other person's listening but they're not really there necessarily you're like oh yeah i'm delivering so much value but really, they're just like, dude, you're wasting my time. 100%. I wanted, like, this one thing. I didn't want to know all the features and benefits of the car. All right. Yeah, I, yeah. I hyper-focus into what they want, and then I ask a lot of questions. Find out what they want, and then, all right, based on what you're telling me, this sounds like it would be the best option for you. Does this make sense? And then just ask them and let them decide. Because nobody wants to, you know, they always say that everybody wants to buy, but nobody wants to be sold. And so, like, that's something that I always remember is, like, yeah, you don't want to be pushed to do anything, but you do like a guide. And if you ask somebody, bounce some ideas, here's what I'm looking for, perfect. I think this matches everything. Does it seem like it makes sense? And Yeah, you have to be a good active listener. You know, you got to ask key questions. They'll tell you. But so many times, it, whether it's selling cars, cell phones, anything that you're selling, we're so quick to push talk, 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 talk. Sometimes if you just listen a little bit, you'll f you'll start feeling and you'll get that knowledge of, hey, this is really what they need to make a major purchase decision, you know? Uh, but so many times people forget about that. It's always, let me tell you this, this is, mm -hmm. this is, slow down a little bit and listen, you know? And then that way you can truly help that customer resolve whatever decision they need made to either purchase a vehicle or a watch or, you know, cell phone, all that stuff. Yep. So, so when I think of a dealership, I think there's different cultures at different dealerships. Uh, when you think back on your experiences, uh, where do you think that you had the most fun? Like you had the best culture that you're like, oh, I really liked working at like this this place or with like these specific people too. Because sometimes it's like, man, some people come in, some people leave, that sort of thing. Is there anybody or any place that really stands out to you as like, oh, that like take me back because those people were like so much fun. Yeah. Well, I, I will say like that time with involved with Mark McKibben, I, you know, I had a blast with Mark. You could tell that Mark really was engaged to it and he cared about it and all about training, you know, now you can train, train, train to death, but mm -hmm. you also got to get out there and do it also at some point. But I remember when I was doing uh, the full-time crew uh, recruiting and able to do training with people for, I think it was eight weeks. Wow. And and I literally met people that, again, they want to change their life. They either came from a factory or, you know, a single mom with two kids and she was a waitress, lost her job and wanted to start something new. And I was able to have conversations with people and, and figure out what can I do to help them be successful. And literally, I train people to shake hands with customers and face them. You know, mm -hmm. so many people, even the smallest thing, they'd reach out and turn. They wouldn't even want to look. At, at the customer I'm like we can't do that but we practice upstairs instead of practicing on the customer because that's what's being a professional is mm -hmm. you don't want to practice on everybody another thing a, a, another gentleman he like would over so loud when he would talk and, and it was intimidating to people you know and it's like I was like oh we can't do that Dale you know and so all these little pieces you know but the great reward was is seeing people change their lives mm -hmm. where they didn't have to be scraping at the bottom you know the barrel and um 
you know, one moment I'd like to talk about, um, I have a friend that he had passed away and he was well known in the community. Um, his name was Dave Hess and great guy. And I met him at Glenbrook when I started selling cars in 2005 and he was selling cars. And Dave and I, throughout the years, um, sold cars together and he left and came back. And I'll never forget. And he always told this story to so many people. We're sitting up in the lunchroom having lunch. And Dave told me, he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. And I said, why? What's going on? And he goes, I only have five cars out. And he said, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to make my house payment. Now, mind you, Dave, and we joked around a lot, but I could also push him a little bit. And I said, well, how much money do you need? And he told me the dollar amount. I said, okay, so your average per copy is this. You have this out. You still have five five days left. And I was joking. I said, I should just smack you off your chair. I said, you've already admitted to defeat. I said, the month's not over. I said, you've been selling cars for seven years. And I said, what's the most amount of cars you've ever sold? And it was 20-some cars in one month. Wow. And he had five out. I'm like, the month's not over. Within those days, he sold more cars, more than enough to pay his house payment and all his bills. He'd come back and thank me. Wow. He said, if you wouldn't have said that to me, I would have admitted defeat. And sometimes that's what people just need, you know, to mm-hmm. help a little bit. Yep. You know, and uh, he told that story a lot. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. So that's yeah. freaking awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> most fun is training. I, I, I love it. Um, like I said, People always remember what you give to them, Mm -hmm. not always about taking. Right. And I like to give opportunities and help people. And I don't know everything. I never claim to know everything, but just little pieces. Because I was a guy that started out washing cars in a dealership when I was 17 years old. Is that what Tuttle did too? uh, I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I walked into... um, Tompkinson Chrysler Plymouth was on Coldwater Road um, where Midwest Shooting Center is. Mm-hmm. And I didn't uh, really know him. Walked in there and asked for a job. And the general manager said, yeah, you can pick up trash in the lot. So I said, awesome. Because I was my first job was washing dishes, mm-hmm. was in the restaurant, went to Busboy. And I'm like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life in the restaurant business. So, yep. yeah. And I, and I love cars. And as I went through the career, um, I love helping people. Because there's a lot of bad dealerships out there that don't treat people right. Mm -hmm. And I've always said it's not the building, it's the people. Right. And if you can put value in the people and you have value yourself to the the people that need help, that's that's what's the most important thing. For sure. Yep. Yeah, what would you say? uh, So you did a lot of sales training in your your lifetime. Um, What would you say the top three, like let's say not just car sales, but like top three sales tips that you could give to everybody? sales tips yeah just like all right hey this is whether it's closing whether it's intro whatever it is like top three that you could think of um the the number one thing i would say is get engaged with your customer you know ask them how you can help them don't don't tell them how you're going to ask them Mm -hmm. what can i do to help you it's all about helping people you know um the the second thing is is definitely knowing the product to build that value Mm -hmm. you know um you know, through all those training systems, you know, we had Joe Verde, Grant Cardone, uh, Dave Anderson, all these different people. And I was able to, as I went through this, it was funny, um, and I'll kind of divert here a little bit. When I went to sales training, I was in the classroom and they put, uh, I th- I th- they might even been VHSs back then, in 2005. <laughs> and literally, they had books. And I would do the homework. Now, there's a great big classroom, and we come back the next day, and you know how many people actually did the homework? Two. Very few. Yeah, I was <laughs> one of them. Yep. And, and everybody said, oh, you don't need to do that. You know, but I'm like, no, I want to learn this because there, there is a skill set to it. Mm-hmm. There is knowledge to it. It's, sometimes it's not innate for everybody. Right. You know? Well, so, most of the time it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So getting that knowledge and being able to apply that. But if you look at it— that, if you help people and serve people, right, and you're selling a product, the money will come. Yep. All the money will come. Yep. You don't have any worry about that, but you've got to provide that information. You've got to provide a service to the customers. And they're more, have you guys ever went somewhere specifically because of the way you were treated? Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely, we all have, right? Have you ever avoided a place because of the way you were treated? Yep. And, and take the money out of it. Right. And that's what happens in car sales, and that's what happens in business. But sometimes businesses don't understand that, and also the leaders of the businesses don't understand that. Yep. It's people, not the building. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to direct-to-seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about Batch Leads is that if you skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch Leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try Batch Leads today. Yeah, that's what uh, is kind of funny too, because when you really think about food in general, uh, I was listening to Ed Milet and he basically talks about like, man, the food tastes the same. It, you know, at some point, your food is only going to be so good. It's not the food that you're paying for. It's the experience. Yes. And so it's the same thing with uh, with everything, you know, like whenever I was just selling Hyundais, you know what I mean? But yeah. like I gave them a, a experience as if they're buying a luxury car, unless, unless they were buying a luxury car and they're a doctor and they're treating me like crap. Then I just be like, all right, <laughs> like, hey, good luck. You, I'm going to get you with somebody else. I don't think we're going to be a good fit. Yeah. So like, uh, but yeah, giving them a great experience. Um and yes, I wanted to talk about one other thing too that I think is important. Uh, so you put, you know, obviously help, want to help, ask good questions by, you know, wanting to help know the product. The other thing, like, would you have anything else that you could think of that would like be a, a really helpful tip for somebody? Get educated about sales. I, there's so much information out there and some people sit there, oh, I can sell anything and, uh, and they get the opportunity and then they kind of jam up because they don't know anything about it. They don't understand sales as a process, right? Everything in life that has ever come together, there's process to it. Whether mm -hmm. you're you know, the spaceship, you think they just lit a rocket, you know, and they flew up there and, and no, there's processes to all this stuff. And that's what I thought was amazing because for the first half of my career, I was in the back end of the business. I worked in parts and, you know, service and all these different things. And then I was like body shop. And I'm like, all right, I, I think I'm done with all those businesses. And I got an opportunity uh, at Glenbrook to become a salesperson. Yep. And I went to their sales training and I was like, oh my goodness, as I'm reading through all these books, you know, and I'm doing my homework, I'm like, I had no idea. And then you grab a hold of that and it's like, wow, I'm empowered yep. that I can go now and help customers and be confident that we're gonna walk through this step, right, of selling to help them make a decision. Yep. At the end of the day, I got to make a lot of friends and I made a lot of money, Yep. you know? That's freaking so, awesome. It how, is. How, how much uh, did you sell? Like your top sales month, what was the most you ever sold? Do you remember? It, it was either 23 or 28 in one month. 23 or 28, those are big differences. <laughs> I know, but listen, that's been a long time. That's been since 2005. So it's I, like the, the three and the eight look very similar. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I do remember I went from being a body shop manager and selling cars and basically doubled my income. Wow. And that's when I was hooked to say, you know, there's so many people out there that go into this certain space, they work for minimum wage, or they're going into this factory with no windows. And it's like, listen, you can be more if mm -hmm. you want more, but you're gonna have to do some work and get uncomfortable. Yep. You know, I was, I was not some, and this is what was just crazy to me, I wasn't a great public speaker in front of people. It was always terrifying. You know, nobody sure. likes to stand up in front of the room and talk typically, right? Sure. I was the same guy. I was terrified, you know? And uh, when they approached me about becoming a, a trainer, the reason why they approached me about that, they told me, is because I was very process-driven, and I also loved to help customers. And mm -hmm. that's how they wanted to start making their business yep. be and and the educate the people, train the people and all that. And when that happened, I realized it doesn't matter if you're doing landscaping, right? It yep. doesn't matter if you work at a grocery store, doesn't matter if you're a server or a restaurant, you have that opportunity yep. to change your life. And, yep. and, and truly it can be selling cars, it can be selling cell phones. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good income out there, but people don't ever want to get uncomfortable. Right. And the most uncomfortable thing that happened to me, and a lot of people don't know this, the dealership paid to send me down to Texas to the Joe Verde train the trainer. 
that was terrifying. Hundreds of people, right? And you had to put together your presentation and everybody kind of graded you on it. And wow. I'm down there by myself. And I'm like, oh no, I've never had to do this. But again, I went back to my hotel room. I had a little portable thing, I was listening to CDs, put my presentation together. And the instructor there told me something. He goes, listen, he said, you, and I hate, I, uh, I hate a strong word. I don't want to talk about this because it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. But that instructor, his name was Tim, told me, he said, you were the best out of everybody and you were the most improved in the wow. time that you were down here because everybody screwed up in the beginning. Wow. Listen, we're never perfect. None of us are. But that growth and getting uncomfortable can just be an amazing thing. And I, I just had that opportunity, the dealership gave that to me, that then I could feed into other people. And that's what's made, you talk about the most fun, that to me is like legacy, being able to help people change your lives, you know, mm -hmm. because um, a lot of people don't want to help others, yeah. you know, and dealerships, and you know, you know, yep. uh, I'm sure you know that too, Tony. Uh, it's about giving to each other and seeing everybody grow and become something more than I ever thought. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. I love that too. How, how would you do it? So I've always been a sink or swim kind of guy too. And I feel like the dealership definitely breeds that. They and do. so they kind of just throw you in. So like, how do you give until the point, like, let's say they're not producing, like, and how do you do that? Cause like, obviously you brought some people in that you thought would do well, and then maybe they couldn't or they didn't. Yeah. Um, and so how do you know when to like, all right, I've given them all the resources they need and it's no longer my responsibility. They didn't step up and it's, it's theirs. How do you know when's the right time to let them go? I think it determines on are they taking the steps that you try to lead them with to say, listen, I, I'd like you to do this, this, and this, and this is could be the outcome if you do this. If they don't follow those smallest pieces to be successful, and, and it's been 90 days, you know, 120 days, it might be time to part ways because if they don't have it in the beginning, it's it's very hard to get it after the fact, you know, and I wouldn't want someone to be in there because, you know, it's a full commission position typically. So why would you want to work somewhere that you've got four months invested in and you're making 1500 a month? Yep. You can go back waiting tables or work in a factory and work overtime and make more money. Right. But if you really want it, you put that effort in, it makes all the difference in the world. Yep. Yeah. So when you think about, uh, the dealership and you think about the culture and that sort of thing, What's the least fun that you've ever had? Because we're talking about the most fun. I, I, I think the least amount of fun is um, sometimes you get that feeling that it's never enough, you know, and this can, um, if, if you're in management, sometimes you feel like, oh, you know, you get ground on all the time. You got to do more and more and more. And being a self-motivated person, sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you need someone to walk alongside you as you do to, to lead the people in the dealership mm -hmm. to be successful. You need that partnership also, you know, to say, hey, I know you can do this. Let, let me show you. Let me help you. Or what resources do I need to help you? Mm. You know, because we can all grow with information. You know, the car business, there's so many people, so many dealerships in town. And there's so much that everybody could give to each other to grow. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the most that you ever made in a month? Do you remember? Like the most? You're like, holy crap. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, in 2005, when I had that big month, I, I think it was $13,000 in one wow. month. And that, and was that was back in 05? Yes. Wow. I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, this. And, and I was like, I worked in the body shop business, and this is the money that I made, and I, I have all these things to do. I was responsible for one person. Mm -hmm. That was me. Wow. Yeah. And that, that amazed me because I had been a manager for a while there. And uh, getting out of that and being responsible for myself, it, it was empowering to say, yep. wow, I can't believe I, I get to do this yep. and make this money and meet the people. I still remember the first people I ever sold a vehicle to. Wow. Yep. And um, when I had left two different dealerships, they followed me out yep. to the dealership. You know, I didn't tell every customer, you know, you don't ever take the book of business with you or try to steal uh, customers. But, you know, I had a one guy show up when I was doing recruiting and the guy had a massive heart attack, had a cane and he comes up and he goes, and I had been working in service and helped him. And he's like, 
they told me that you left, you weren't doing it anymore, you're over in this building. He says, like, oh my goodness, I thought I lost you forever, you know, wow. trying to help them. So that attitude of service really helps people that you build that loyalty with each other because mm-hmm. they know that you're, they're not going to be lied to, they're going to be taken care of, and that you actually care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I noticed with uh, folks when they start making really good money is they'll start to buy some nice things. You have pretty nice, <laughs> pretty nice property. I yeah. can do research before I have folks Uh-oh. on the podcast, and I was like, "That's a pretty nice house." Oh, <laughs> so did you did you get some nice cars? You know, when you when you got uh, you know at some of these different dealerships, and you saw some of the vehicles come through. Being a car guy, do you feel like you and, and just car guys in general and dealership guys in general do you feel like they stretch themselves to the point where they're like you know their income goes up so when you spend more you make you make more you spend more kind of thing well most sales managers and owners they love everybody going into debt when they start selling because they that makes you feel empowered you got to make those payments and i'll talk to dakota real quick about something because i do remember this and then i'll go back to my story i remember dakota when you wanted to lease that um the your was it a Genesis or the something? The G80 Sport. Yes. Yep. And I remember you, we talked about it, and I was like, oh, man, you're new into the business. I don't know if I'd do that. And he did it. And I, you know, that's where everybody's different of what they're comfortable with. You know, um, my history in my life, we, we grew up with not a lot of stuff. So I, I always have that conservative approach, and I've always saved money. So yep. if, if you looked at my property and stuff, that, that's a life's work of savings that's not of my income and you know, i won't say the dollar amount but i've made less money than the majority of the people that i've met as far as management and they look at and um, i remember your guys podcast about oh it must be nice mm-hmm. it's like now wait a minute you know i'm the guy that when i was working in a parts department i had i used to get made fun of because i had two dollars in my wallet sometimes nothing because i was putting money in the bank and then become a you know investment mm-hmm. um, into investing in the stocks and bonds and stuff like that. So, but yep. that's why I have some of the things. I am a very um, passionate person about cars. I you know I have cars. I I still have an old '70 Chrysler 300 convertible that was a wow. trade-in at that Chrysler dealership when I was 19. Wow! I paid $500 for it. I still drive that car more than any of my other cars around town. That's awesome. It is awesome. And it was $500. Yep. Yeah. And so it's never been about fancy watches or homes or anything. The home that I have, I bought the property at the time I was married. I bought the property before we built a house. And then my daughter was getting ready to go to school and private school was going to cost X amount of money versus if we bought property somewhere and then we built a home it would actually be a wash but have a nicer home she'll be in a better school district you know and those different things so that's that's why we did that and then it helped that i got a barn to put some of my car or garage to put my cars in and stuff so yeah yeah i'm blessed to have what i have um, that's awesome and i appreciate it a lot i you know now turning 53 next week i i realize i, I don't need it all it, you know it's just things the most important thing to me is people yeah you know like you guys asking me to come here i was honored because i have a lot of respect for both of you always have so and i'm proud of you guys the success that you've had are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place we've been there before and honestly we've tried several different crms and re simply has been the absolute best re simply tracks your kpis does automatic follow-ups for you and even records incoming phone calls the system is very easy to use and honestly it has more features than we even know what to do with if you're looking for a great crm try re simply today click the link in the description below check it out now thanks man yeah Yeah, i want to i want to tell you about that uh the car too now So that, that that car was a lot of, there's a lot of lead up to that. So one is I was driving this uh, old red beater truck. I don't know if you remember that I one. I do. <laughs> and it's funny because that thing actually didn't have heat. And so I didn't have defrost. And I drove that thing while I was like, uh, I think I made like, I made like 84 grand my first year in sales. And so I, I was there. I think I made that. And I was still driving that piece of crap. And everybody else is looking at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. And then when they told me there's like uh, this program that you can get some money or whatever, you get, yeah, you get 250 bucks. 
Um, it was the minimum. And I'm like, all right, well, dang, let me buy the cheapest car there is then. And then, so I bought this Hyundai Accent. So then what I did is I hurried up, paid it off. And then I got to the point where I'm getting like 450 a month because I kept like getting the tears. And yeah. I was like, I was getting 450 a month. So they ended up paying me like, I paid like 10 grand for that car. They ended up paying me like 17.5 over the time. And then I was thinking about getting the Genesis while that one was paid off. I was like, okay, I'll sell this. That'll almost pay for all my lease payments because this one's paid off now. And yeah. it was a free vehicle anyway. Can't and so wrong. my payment on that Genesis was 650 a month. And I was like, holy crap, that's a big payment. Then I was like, well, they're gonna be paying me 400, 450. So my payment was really only 200 or 250 bucks. I can't remember. The gas was expensive as crap though, because I was getting like 16 to 18 miles per gallon. But that car was amazing. And then the funniest part is I get in a disagreement with, well, it was multiple people, mostly just Paul though, honestly. Paul, is a, that's a whole nother story. But Paul then like basically fires me and then now my payment's 650, you know, insurance wasn't that bad, oh, um, no. but gas. So now I'm paying like a thousand dollars a month with gas and everything. And I was like, ah, screw this card. That's when I got my, uh, my Toyota Camry hybrid. And I was, and then basically I traded that all in. It was basically a wash with the tax credit and stuff. Cause I paid zero in taxes and I was like, whatever, I'm just going to do this. So yeah. I'm still, uh, the funniest part is whenever it looks like I'm spending a lot of money to the outside perception relative to what I make is it is so like, I see people percentage wise who spend way more, even though it doesn't look like it, they're yeah. spending so much more percentage wise. It was usually like, by the time I did that, I was making like somewhere close to like 150 a year as yeah. well. Yeah. And so it's like percentage wise, it was so low yeah. in order to again, reinvest into the future, which I think is the most important, which I, <laughs> you're basically talking about. This yeah. is kind of funny. It's like the, like in the, uh, in the most careful way to coach just like i make a lot of money like so <laughs> no no it's true well, before uh, i spend money i do yeah and and you know i have a similar story but it started in 99 so uh i was able to get a reimbursement for a, a 99 ram mm. dodge, and it was dodge sport i still have that truck today sitting in my garage <laughs> oh is that the green one the green one what that's the one so that was paid for by the dealership basically uh, monthly on a monthly yeah reimbursement and uh, i was like either that or drive a demo and i'm like no i'm going to take it because it's going to be investment and i use that truck a lot to tow when i was drag racing throughout the midwest and stuff yeah with that's car. awesome yeah it is and i i still drive it today and people are like oh that's the nitrous fish truck you know drew thomas from polish works yep yeah he he said the same thing you know he's like i i can't believe you know you still have that truck i love that truck little kids will always point at it and want to get their picture taken it's a lot of fun so when did you start then i thought you started in 05 what year did you start then i i started at glenbrook in 99 oh so and i went there and became the body shop manager and the again about being stretched and uncomfortable so i had spent 12 years at tompkins since i started there when i was 17 and hit and had left and then i never ran a body shop but I knew parts mm -hmm. and I knew service parts of it. So I went over there and I remember, um, you know, the owner of Glenbrook, Mr. McKibben, and he's like, why should I hire you over anyone else? And I, and, and I told him this, I said, it's the first time you feel like I'm not doing the best for you. I want you to fire me. Mm. Don't give me a notice. Don't do anything. I said, I will be your hardest working employee. And he gave me an opportunity over people with experience. Now I had to put the work in. The yep. body shop was a mess. It was a small body shop. There were so many receivables. Um, they didn't have good quality at the time. And uh, to be able to learn in that industry, and there was a lot of insurance adjusters that helped me along the way because I didn't know all of it. But yeah, I was there every morning, worked late. You know, there was one point I didn't have porters. I was taking out the trash, answering the phones. The secretary, when I tried to start bringing up the value of what we do, and, and hey, you're not going to, you know, you, you You've got to be a professional you know there's no smoking in the office all these different things and she didn't like it and she quit within like a couple of weeks wow i didn't know the dms system how to do any of the accounting side of it and there was a controller there at that time she's no longer you know at the dealership but yeah she did she wasn't the nicest person but uh she motivated me because she goes well it looks like you got yourself in a hell of a mess i said oh so no one can help me no okay so I went back and literally called ADP and built a resource manual about how to open repair orders, close them, 
all these process books that I put in there so no wow. one would have to go through what I went through. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. But I was about, you know, that motivates me uh, mm -hmm. when uh, people, I like to be challenged, but also you, there's got to be respect in it too. Right. You know, when, when you get disrespectful to, to your team and different things, that, that's very challenging, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but you try to put that aside and, and go in every day and do your best. Yep. You know, that's what it's about. I don't, I don't ever want to just coast. I've never lived my life that way. If I did, I would have never been able to move out of, you know, we lived in a bad part of Fort Wayne. And uh, what's the bad part? What, what street? Uh, back, uh, we moved. Oh, my goodness. I bet we moved probably 10, 12 times when we were kids. We, my mom was a single parent and um, we get kicked out of places because she couldn't afford to pay. And mm. yeah, we were on government of food and stuff and I promised myself when I had an opportunity uh, I'm gonna make it on my own I, I moved out pretty early after I graduated from high school and I remember having a conversation with my mom I was the middle one I didn't cause much trouble so she loved me mm -hmm. and I was the last kid at home and I said mom you you got me here and I don't you can see the burden on your parents face of being responsible and she went through a lot to raise the three of us alone and never met my dad he, you know he didn't help with any child support nothing so um we lived off uh weiser park mcclellan mm. all down there that's when guyer was open and i went to guyer and um weiser, southern heights elementary down there and stuff and it it taught me a lot of street smarts mm -hmm. and also you know you had to not that i like it but you know i had to learn to defend yourself and mm -hmm. and your property and stuff like that i didn't like literally this is crazy story but it's true lunch line at guyer the, them old compasses you know with the metal point on it and the pencil on the other side oh yeah they would stab people in the leg what? in the lunch line yeah just yeah. to like mess around yeah yeah it, 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 some of that was crazy and then my freshman year i went to wayne and uh then we were my mom was able to move out north and then i went to northrop from sophomore year and graduated from northrop wow. but uh yeah it was interesting it, it made me appreciate people and what life has to offer mm -hmm. but it, what what is so sad to me is some people that never got out of that environment and said that they like they couldn't do more mm -hmm. you know yeah I, I i feel that's one of the biggest disappointments in life that people can't see value in themselves and yeah. they change sometimes that's one of the hardest things for me is like uh, i believe that anybody can do almost anything yeah. and so then i also believe that most people will not based on statistics facts and just in general but i also like i i think you have to do that otherwise you wouldn't be able to like you know bring anybody on if you don't see something in them yeah. so i see that in a lot of people um and obviously you do too like you see hey you got a gift and like it's up to you whether or not you want to use it yeah. i'm just encouraging you to use it yes so yeah that's a tough thing though because it can also the funniest part i don't know if you've experienced this at all what i experience is i i have very high expectations because i believe people are capable of a whole lot sometimes more than what they think they're capable of and so then now it becomes an expectation kind of thing where i'm like hey no i know you can do this now, I like to always have the buy-in from them as well. Like, do you want to do this? If you tell me, yes, you want to do it, I'm now going to hold you accountable to what you said you want to do. And now people get real pissed whenever I do that, especially in a relationship, you know, yeah. or family members and stuff. Do you experience anything like that? Yeah, I, I have, you know, um, and, and I've had it done to me. You know, it's almost like throughout, you know, being this old now, you know, I've been in positions where, you know, you, you're super successful and other times you feel like, okay, could I, what could I have done more? Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you go into, whether it's a department or with a person, what, what is that ceiling? Where do you draw? Hey, this is all I can do. Mm. And I've never felt that I've ever hit that, yep. you know, and all I know is I know people and I know automotive career is all I know other than that short time in the restaurant business, you know, but, um, to be able to transition as you guys have from automotive into what you do, I, I just find it's amazing. You know, it's absolutely amazing. The skill sets that I'm sure you guys picked up and carried through into what you do now, but it is about challenging people. The thing that I find is tough in today's society, a lot, lot of people, probably 90% of the people don't want to be challenged. Mm. It becomes offensive, mm -hmm. you know? 
Yeah, that's why we get the expectations, the buy-in up front about where we are, our values, and make sure that it makes sense for them. And if it doesn't, then that's okay. You're not with, you're not with us, that's, that's fine. But uh, if you say you're in, then yeah, you're gonna be hold to an expectation. And the coolest part is most of the people here, like they, they like it and they want it they, because they, they like growing and like they've been able to achieve things that they never even thought they would. And like, you know, they had somebody that believed in them that, that they never seen that before. And so, yeah, they just accomplished. We've seen a lot of these guys accomplish things that have been just super cool like this. I, we have a 19 year old, I don't know if you heard about him, mm-hmm. but so he was in high school and uh we just we thought one day we need to hire some salespeople. brought him on i taught him everything that i know and uh, he ended up making last year he made like one hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars his first year while he was part-time in high school wow and so yeah it's just insane he got over 101 houses sold last year like or under contract just him alone um so yeah he's just a beast and he he had no sales experience you know he's a very quiet dude so it's just like yeah it's crazy what people can accomplish with just a little bit of a belief in them that they are able to do it and accountability and then yeah of course give them the resources but yeah the belief i think is the most important thing it is and it, and it can't be phony you know we i always remember one time i was at a training session they were talking about external or internal motivation mm. you know it, sometimes as a leader or a manager and they gave the scenario of hey you know you tell someone hey if you do this this i'm gonna give you 20 bucks so you give them 20 dollars. well they go buy lunch they're all excited about it and they about half hour 45 minutes after lunch they kind of forget about it so that's what i see sometimes in in sales is people actually in any of their careers do you have that internal motivation or is it always got to be external Mm. because external to me sometimes is just temporary because that external you're either wanting something or you're getting something then you're buying things Mm -hmm. that internal that's that fire in your belly doesn't go away i believe that's one of the key components that breeds success in a lot of people Mm. because without it it it's almost promoting complacency and just existing and and sometimes that's not good yep so yeah is that what you look for the most in salespeople? Is that fire? You talk about it a lot. I, I, I do um, because I, I remember one store when I was a sales manager, um, we had hired two females and one was a real estate agent, moved into town. The other one was in pharmaceutical sales. And I remember talking to both of them and trying to help them. They were new into automotive sales career. And one, it, she the pharmaceutical, hey, I got to learn about these cars. And she was studying all the books, studying all the books. And I remember telling her, I'm like, hey, you need to get in front of people so you can start learning and become comfortable to mm-hmm. provide a service to them, you know, in value. The other one is like, well, you know, you get yep. three people at a time, you know, and <laughs> she didn't know anything about cars, you know, <laughs> which in short term. She's number one salesperson, right? You know, and she stayed that way for a long time. A lot of respect for both those uh, ladies. And the other one, and I always believe this: if you have that tenacity of learning that, along with building some skill set of selling, it's just your curve is going to take quite a bit longer, mm-hmm. you know, to get to the top. Yep. And you can get to the top with doing that, but the ones that just get out there and jump into it, you know, because yep. it's more about making a connection with people and then providing that service to sales. They don't, most people don't care. Oh, they want to know where do you put the gas in and how do I right. sync my phone? Yeah. They, they're <laughs> yeah. like, hey, I want the center phone this color. And yeah, <laughs> right. you don't need to know much. Yeah. Who do you yeah. think is a better salesperson, uh, uh, men or women? Boy, I, I, my belief is women. I think so too. Uh, and the same thing, even with like service writing, the majority of women that have that fire in their belly, you tell them, hey, do this, this, and this. Guess what happens? They do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the males sometimes have a, uh, sometimes a mentality of, hey, I know, or yeah, I'll do it. And then you ask them the next day, hey, did you do this? No, I'm, I'm gonna, going to. Well, the mm-hmm. problem is, you know, gonna never got going sometimes, you know? Yep. So you've got to, you got to take that action sometimes. Is that the only difference that you see in men and women and salespeople and like why you think they're better? Is there anything else you think like women do better than men? Like specifically, you know, like that's a they're, very specific example. They're, they're good at building rapport. Yep. You know, um, a lot of, a lot of guys come in and, you know, and, it, and it's changed and I'm happy because, um, 
you know, there was time in my career, there wasn't very many uh, women in any of those positions. And for them to have that opportunity, again, if it's a single parent mom that gets to change their life, you know, it's amazing to see that, that, hey, they can actually become a service writer and make really good money, or they can sell cars and make really good money. There's so much opportunity in some of the dealerships. They, and and most of them are open-minded to say, hey, what do I need to do? Because I, I, I want to be good. And then, especially when they get it in their mind, it's like, no, I want to be great. Yeah. And that that's when it's fun. Yep. Yeah. I always say I think that women are way better because they can ask, like, harder questions. And it's less offensive. People always let their guards down more with women, I feel yeah. like. They're just more that nurturing. They're more empathetic. They're better at listening. And, and yeah, just seems like they're just way if they can stay in it they can do it better the hardest part that i think is for women is having the thick skin to deal with the rejection it's very difficult from what i've seen for a lot of women but the women that are salespeople, like the good real estate agents like all these people like man they'll crush oh, like yeah. any guy like the guy has to do like twice as much prospecting in order to get the same close ratio because i do think that women are are better salespeople if they can learn it yeah, absolutely. And and they get into it. And, you know, a lot of them, they're like, hey, tell me something about the car. Cause I, I don't know. So you're trying to tell yeah. them real quick. Oh yeah, it's got a 3.5 in it. You know, and they go out, mm -hmm. but then it's just closing someone on payment. Yep. You know, how are you going to fit it in their budget? And they're yep. really good about that. Yep. You know, and like you said, they can bring up some topics that don't seem like they're so offensive, uh, you know, to whether it's a couple, you know, or the husband's there, you know, yep. the thing in sales that I always, um, I thought was most challenging and I, I'm sure you experienced this or like, oh, well, my wife's not with me or, oh, oh yeah. my husband's not with me, <laughs> you know, so. Oh, yeah. We uh, train for that one. Yeah. A lot. Yes. Yeah. What, what do you say when people say that? Well, I usually tell them, say, okay, well, if there's any other reason why they would reject to it, is there a, a point why you couldn't sign for this right now? I'm sure you picked out the perfect car. I'm sure you guys talked about this before you came here. Mm-hmm. And they normally have, right? Right. So what it comes down to, again, is it just budget fitting into their budget? Yep. Would you agree? I, I Yeah. So I would I usually go about it just slightly different, but it's basically the same principles. I would just say, well, I mean, does your wife know you're here? And, like, act real concern. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She knows I'm here. I'm like, okay, good. I figured, like, if you guys talk about everything, at least you know you're here. Like, make jokes, because I like to definitely make jokes if I'm going to ask a closing question. And then from from there, I would go into, okay, I mean, did you guys talk about, you know, the vehicle that you want and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, this is, that's, okay. And then did you guys talk about, you know, where you guys wanted to be at monthly? Oh, yeah, we talked about it, but, you know, I just want to run everything past them. Like, I completely understand, and, like, I would do the same thing if I were you, and that makes complete sense. I mean, where, what did you guys talk about? And then, just, again, leave it open. And so, you're like, if I could do this, you wouldn't need to talk to the wife then? No, because, yeah, we already talked about it. Cool. So then I just get their commitment at that point. Yeah. And what a lot of people do is just like, hey, can you call your wife? Oh, no, she's at work. Well, they always say they're unavailable. Right. It's Yeah, yeah. it's not the wife or anything that's holding them back. It's it's uh, they don't want to make a decision right now or there's something wrong. And so I was just talking to the sales guys about this this morning. The most important thing to do is make them comfortable with giving you the objections. As soon as they don't feel comfortable with you, when you keep coming back with these like, quick-witted like hey do it do it do it kind of thing they're now not going to tell you what the why they're not doing it they're just going to tell you that something's up and they're going to go yeah. so if you can get them to feel comfortable with their concerns i'm like dude objections and i know not every salespeople agree with this i think objections are a good thing that means that yeah. they're telling me their concerns and i can address their concerns and if i can help them with everything why would they not move forward right. but it's when they don't feel comfortable with telling me something that we have a problem yes. and i was like man like if they're sitting there like, well, you know, it's it's really uh, everything sounds great other than, you know, just need to talk to my wife. And OK, perfect. Like, that's good news. So other than you talking to your wife, that's the only thing holding you back. Yep, that's it. All right, cool. And then I'd go into that. And uh, from from that point on, though, like I now know they're interested. And I told them it's the same thing with their relationship. If they're talking to you and they're still texting you back and forth, it might be tension. You might be fighting. But if they're talking to you, that means they're still interested. Right. It's when it gets cut off that, you know, there is no sale. They're not interested anymore. There's no relationship. And so until we're to that point and they're saying things that they're like objecting to, we got a, we probably got a deal. I'm excited when I hear objections because that means I built enough rapport that they're going to tell me what's wrong. Yes. Yeah. And, 
you, you know, the thing that always amazed me, whether I was on the floor or I was a manager going out for a TO and everybody says, oh, we're not buying anything today, you know, or a salesman doesn't let a manager talk to the, the customer mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they leave and I'm like, where'd they go? Oh, they're going home. And I'm like, they're not going home. Mm-hmm. They're going to another dealership, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes customers, they get so confused because there's not that clear path in helping them to yep. make that decision today. Right. And so they're like, ah, oh, well, let's just go over there and see what they have. Yep. That's not what you want. And there was, you know, there was times I, I'd call the customer up. Hey, it's such and such. I didn't get a chance to meet you. Yeah, they're sitting at the dealership across the lot. Right. <laughs> you yep. know? And I'm like, you know, why, why did we not ask some key questions to help that customer? That's, yep. And, and you know, in, especially in today's world, I, I believe customers that are coming onto the car lots, nobody's got time to waste anymore no. in this world. And everybody shops from their cell phone, right? Yep. So your one opportunity when they pull into that lot is so important that you engage and find out what they really need. Because, you know, you can about get any car that any customer wants. Right. You got to be able to provide that to them and build that relationship. Yep. And then once you do that, it's great how long the relationships last. Yep. You know, if if you're true and you're genuine. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I have so many people actually even. So just like the other day, we got a battery view. I posted on there. Hey, guys, we got a battery view. Uh, we never even done business with this guy. Could we, we go spread some more positivity? There's people I sold cars to. They're like, I, I'm going on there. I'm doing it right now. I'm like, there's literally leaving these reviews and stuff from people from, you know, 10 years ago yeah. that, yeah, I built that relationship with. And they're like, no, I know. And we've gotten a lot of referrals from people that, uh, I, and here's the funniest part too. That you'll actually appreciate this. I've worked with guys uh, who are some shady people and do some shady. I probably shady. know some of them. Oh yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> And the funniest part is they will still bring customers like for for houses to me or to us because they know they're like, dude, I know I know how you were and they trust me, even though like I would never go to them for anything because I don't trust them at all. But they know they know that because of the way that I dealt with clients and stuff, they're like, all right. We can go to him and like, he's going to be legitimate. He's going to be truthful. He's going to be honest. Are we going to offer the most? Absolutely not. But I'm going to be straight up honest with you that we're not going to offer the most. And I'm going to make sure that it makes sense for you. And that's what you want to do. We always ask that, Hey, are you looking to get the most? Are you looking for the simplest process? It's the same thing. When you go to trade in your car, are you looking to get the most? Are you looking for the simplest process? Because if you're looking to get the most, you need to go post that thing on Craigslist, Facebook marketplace or something. If you want the easiest process, let's trade it in right now. So it's just finding out what they want and then giving them that and if we're not it then i tell them that hey we're not a right fit for you but you do have an agent here that can help you we have all these other ways to help you still it's not us not us directly where we make money but i'm still willing to help but yeah those those relationships man you never you never know who you're talking to either right so they're they're the most important they are so rob if you didn't find cars if you didn't get into the car dealership, you didn't get into the dealership world, what would you have ended up doing instead? If money were no object, where, where would you be working right now? Real estate. No. <laughs> <laughs> you working for LTD. <laughs> you know, I, re- I really like to talk about perspective. So uh, just to circle back my upbringing, and I remember in middle school, you used to have to fill out these cards and say, hey, what do you, what do you want your career to be? Mm. And, and this is where I talk about people's ceilings. So you, I wrote down two things, and you were supposed to. You know what I wrote down? I wanted to be a garbage man or a truck driver. True story. And that's what I thought I was going to do because it's going to be safe and comfortable and, you know, income. Now, that all went out the window once I started, you know, looking at, hey, I, I can do more of this and that, you know. But um, I, I really, I don't know. I think it would be something in helping people. Again, it, it, would it be in sales? Quite possibly. You know, there's just, I, I love to cook you know uh, my mom for a brief time had a small restaurant you know and I have that passion because sometimes food is love to people you know Mm -hmm. and um, there's just so many different things but the career that I've had I have just been so thankful for the people that I've met and the relationships that I have today Um, I don't know where life would take me if I didn't do that there there was a time very brief time and I don't know if many people know this I I worked for the post office Hmm. So in my early 20s, um, I was thinking about getting out of the dealership life. So the post office had an ad out in the newspaper when there was newspaper and you had to go and take a test. And it was a memorization test. Hmm. 
And back then I had a great, great memory. And I memorized, you had to memorize the, the numbers, the street address, the zip codes and everything. And I actually scored 100% on that. Wow. So I could go work at any post office that I wanted to. And I, Dang. yeah, I was lucky. My mom did the same thing because she was going to do it. And she, I don't know if she t turned down a job or what, what happened there. Well, I had an opportunity. So I left the dealership, worked in the post office in New Haven. Loved the job. It was rough. It, back then, I was in really good shape. I, I loved the job. It was fun meeting people, sorting mail, cold, hot, whatever. It didn't bother me. But there was a supervisor there, and this, this was a turning point again, a motivating factor to me. There was a supervisor that I had a death in the family, and I had a aunt that um, um, she had some challenges in life, but she was able to they thought she would always be in a home and she had moved to Fort Wayne and actually became pretty much self-sufficient and no one ever gave her a chance. And um, she worked for um, across from Wrigley Field is on state at a restaurant, Jeff's Coney, and she was walking across the street and got hit by a car and oh killed her. Oh my gosh. So the whole time I worked for the post office almost a year uh, and you had to call in early if you're gonna call in sick. I never called in sick. Now, I'm a young man, you know, and there's things that you do when you're young, out partying and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I never called in sick, never did anything. Always, they called me at four in the morning. Hey, we got someone called sick. I went in. I never told them no. I called in. I said, hey, my aunt um, has been killed. I need a couple of days off. Now, I had all kinds of PTO time, all the stuff I could take. And I got threatened. My job was threatened. They're going to write me up AWOL and all kinds of stuff. And I was upset. So I... It was hard. I, I, I left that job, and I remember the supervisor told me this, looked me in the eyes. He said, I went in, and I said, because um, after I said this, some of the carriers had it. They always called me the kid. They were all older gentlemen, and they got mm -hmm. along with all the other carriers, and they heard what happened, you know, and condolences and stuff, and I told them, I said, I'm not very happy. I was pretty upset at this supervisor, and uh, so I walked in. I, I had to make a decision, uh, and I told my mom, I said, I'm going to quit, and my mom, and my mom's like, you know, your future, you could be retired, this and that. I said, Mom, I, it's against my principles that someone disrespected our family like this, and I can't live with that, mm -hmm. being around that person every day, and that's on principle. And uh, I walked in, you know, I think I was like 21, 22, 23 maybe, and uh, told him, I said, hey, I'm giving my two weeks notice. And he told me, he said, you got to put it in writing. So I went back to my little cubicle, wrote out, said, I'll never again work for the United States Post Office as long as you're in charge. And I quit. And that motivated me like nothing else. <laughs> and you know what? I've made way more money than that guy has ever made. And I, I've never been back to tell him, thank you. I don't hate you. I thank you because you motivated me. Wow. Yeah. And I protected my family that way because... I, you just don't do that, yeah. you know, and instead of asking and understanding, and I think sometimes that happens in business and situations, instead of asking and understanding, you dictate and, and mm -hmm. you have no idea. And some people that crushes and some people it motivates. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I can be a dangerous person when I'm motivated. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. But other than that, that would have been my career. Mm. And, and I really enjoyed it. So. That's awesome. I, I literally just had a conversation uh, with with one of the people that work with us uh, yesterday. And he was just it was very similar where he, he it was not anything with him, like needing time off. He's just upset about some things and like kind of not doing great. And so like sat him down. I'm like, hey, man, are you OK? Yeah. Like, you know, like that's the first thing is like, are you good? Because like and I told him this, I was like, I care more about your happiness and like everybody else in this place's happiness yeah. than I do about making more money. Yeah. We're not money machines. We're not machines or anything like that. Right. It, it matters. Like we got into this business to work with people that we want to work with. And if you're not happy, I don't want you to be here then either. Yeah. Like you can leave and like, you know, do whatever you need to do, man. Cause like it's, we'll find some other way to do this. But if you're here, I want you to be with us. And I want, and I want to let you know that I care about you yeah. like as a friend more more than I care about making money making money is not what we give a crap about do we need to stay in business sure yeah. but at the same time that's not the ultimate goal our goal is to like actually enjoy yeah. what we do every day and so if you're not enjoying it anymore yeah. stuff changes and I get it yeah. just make sure you leave before you destroy it for everybody else and yeah. and he's been he's been super great and I think that yeah just asking people if they 
if they're okay. And like, we have a extreme amount of freedom, especially for somebody like you, like for the hard worker, people get stuff done. I don't give a crap how much you work. As long as everything gets done, I don't care. Yeah. You don't have to be here. You could be freaking in another country. Yeah. It doesn't matter for me as long as the stuff gets done. And I, I think I got that from the dealership as well. Cause I could sell a lot of cars and like, if you, but if you can find me and you tell me I have to work a certain parameters, I'm not going to do it. And so we kind of really have that mentality too. Like you have freedom here. You can do what you want and we care about you. Yeah. We have expectations. And if you don't meet them, then we'll fire you. And yeah. that's okay because it's going to be mutually agreed upon. But yeah, yeah, I think that it's very important to care about the people. And that's something that I don't see very much and just, just in general. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like everybody feels they're busier than everybody else in life, yeah. right? To come along with someone and say, Hey, how are you doing? How's things in life, you know, because we only get one, right? Yeah. And we're only here and we have no idea how long we're going to be here, you well, know? Good, so great segue, Rob. Float, <laughs> float to the very end of your life. Yeah. We're, we're saying that you're making it to 100. <laughs> <laughs> you're on your deathbed. Yeah. And now you have a final message to the world. So everybody will know that it was yours. They'll be like, yeah, that yeah. was definitely Rob that would have said that. It's your yeah. last message. It's something that's meaningful to you. Yeah. And uh, it could be a paragraph. It could be a sentence. It could be a saying. It could be a billboard on Times Square. It's your legacy message. What are you going to say? Man, that almost makes me tear up. I, I, you know, I don't, I guess I would say I tried my best. I wasn't perfect. Um, and I truly cared. Hmm. Uh yeah. And I, I love the people that I love that are in my life, you know, um, whether even if they're acquaintances over the years, uh, I care. And some people, you know, at some point, I, I hope everybody understood how much they were of value to me because I learned a lot from everybody I had interactions with. It wasn't just me mm -hmm. teaching all them. They taught me a lot, you know, and empowered and um, very thankful for the life that I've had. And, uh, you know, I love my daughter more than anything in the world and uh yeah wow awesome yeah love it so cool man well thank you for that uh is there anything anything else you want to say to our viewers or any way that we can get a hold of you if folks want to buy a car they want to come see you at the dealership how should they reach out yeah um i would just say i'd like to leave everybody with this is to look in the mirror and if you're not happy with your career or where you're at to understand you have a higher ceiling than you've ever imagined you could you got to take that step find some mentors take that step and start with yourself don't expect everybody else to give it to you read books get educated about it you know um currently now i i am at uh shepherds if you need anything you can contact me at shepherds in auburn indiana so um and thank you guys so much for having me. This yeah. has been awesome. Thank and, you. And uh, I watch you guys a lot and appreciate what you're doing out there. You're doing great. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks thank for uh, for hiring us back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I think you provided a lot of value, a lot of, uh, a lot of help for, for, yeah, just anybody and a lot of great advice. So and thank you. Yeah, thanks it's again. Pleasure. Thank yep. you. And thank you guys for watching. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.